Hey, welcome to Faith Marketplace, where we equip individuals, entrepreneurs, small business owners with resources plus community to make a kingdom impact to glorify our mighty God while gaining inspiration from marketplace leaders. Hey, welcome to another episode of Faith Marketplace, where we inspire, equip, and encourage uh, folks in the marketplace, how they take and do that and integrate your faith and work. And today I've got a great guest on. She has her own program, and she's going to tell you a little bit about that here in Chicago. But I'd like to introduce you to Kimberly Loffus. Uh, she is the president of Loffus Consulting here in Chicago, and she's got a tremendous background in what she does. And I just have so, ad so much admiration for how she is helping people, particularly around their finances. So welcome, Kimberly. Thank you for having me, Bob. You're welcome. Hey, I was intrigued when you shared with me some of your uh, life quotes and verses. And what I'd like for you to do is share that with the audience and then uh, give a little explanation why those are important to you. So I actually have three quotes that direct me. The first one is yesterday is history. Tomorrow is a mystery, but today is a gift. Mm. That is why they call it the present. And the reason that is so important, because I tend to overthink. If I make an error, I make a mistake, I don't let it go. And so it kind of, you know, creates all this anxiety and stress. And this quote reminds me that to let stuff go, we make mistakes, let's move forward and just move, you know, through the present. Yeah. What's the next one? Yeah. You never know who's watching. That's from my dad at a very young age. And I use it in two different ways. One, to make sure that I'm doing what's important to me. And I've always been instilled in me to be a hard worker. And that has benefited me in my life where people see that you're a hard worker. They may not tell you, but they see and you get rewarded from that. Yep. But the other one is that I'm also a testimony or a light for other people. So if I'm doing what I'm supposed to do based off of my faith, and people are watching that, that gives them more backbone to do what they need to do because yeah. they see me do what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. And then you got one of the favorites of a lot of people that come on the show, the next one there. Um, I can do all things through Christ to strengthen me. That is really important because a lot of times you feel like as you're going through the storm that you're all by yourself and you don't know how to get through it. But then we sit down and really think about it. You've been given the values and the strength to get through it. So that's been, you know, really important. Yeah. I love the second one that your dad gave you because you're right. You never know who's watching. And I we talk about this. It's about the walk, your Christian walk versus the talk. Now we're know that we're supposed mm -hmm. to go out there and be disciples and speak up and so on and so forth. But people are watching. If you're a professed Christian, they're watching your walk. Would you agree? Yeah. I and agree. we're all supposed to be representatives and ambassadors of Christ. So it's really important. I just had this conversation with somebody the other day that when I go out in the public, I'm a representative of my faith. And so um, I don't go out dirty and my hair all disheveled. I don't care if I'm just running to the hardware store or the gas station, you know. It's not that I dress up everywhere I go, but it's just mm -hmm. to, you know, look like somebody that, you know, because you never know who's watching. You just never know who's watching. So uh, that's just me. You know, <laughs> it's a, I, and, and how many times I've been out and I've run into people that I know, you know, and it's just like, OK, I'm OK. I feel good about that. I'm I'm being present and I'm also, um, you know, 
not walking around in my work clothes. <laughs> not that, not that, you know, I have to dress up or anything, but you know, that's what it is. So I so appreciate your dad, you know, because he's right. It's, it's, as I think there was a St. Francis or somebody that said, go out and spread the gospel, use words if necessary, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. and, and, and all that. Hey, um, Let's uh, let the audience know uh, in our conversation, today, what are the takeaways that you want them to take away from our conversation, Kimberly? I think the key takeaways based off my experience as a consultant is to choose clients that can build trust and actually like working with. I think that's really important Yep. because when you have someone you don't work, you know, you like working with, you bring that home with you and it impacts you yep. in a negative way. Uh, the next one is being in business will not always be smooth. So trust in your foundation and faith. When I first started my business, I was like, oh, my God, I have no network. You know, am I going to be able to get clients? But, you know, God put me on this path and I, you know, am successful. And the final one was easy cash flow management tips for businesses. Not understanding cash flow is a major reason why small businesses fail. Like you might have money coming in, money going out, but you don't really know or understand what's going on. Yeah. And that is so important. And unfortunately, we don't teach a lot of that either in colleges or high schools or anything. I mean, it amazes me. I know it's kind of old school, but, you know, most of these young people don't even know how to do a checking account, you know, and balance. Now, it's a lot easier today than what it used to be. And checks, who writes checks anymore? But, you know, <laughs> let alone them even being able to write cursive, you know, because <laughs> that's not being taught anymore. But then again, I'm showing my age, aren't I? <laughs> um. Let's get a little bit into your background, because what I want to share with the audience is this fantastic organization that you have, that you built, the Loftus Consulting, because you have, a, it's a family affair, isn't it? Yes. The name uh, is, you know, basically a family name. I saw, you know, decided to start the business around a finance when I was working for corporate America, what I realized the difference, like I used to buy companies and sell companies for right. a international bank. And what I realized is the reason I'm able to buy these businesses is because they didn't have someone like me, someone who understood the strategy and the finance linked together. And that's basically what this business does. And my target really was small to mid-sized businesses to really help them scale and grow or eventually if they want to sell it, but be in that position to get the best deal possible because their operations and their finances were in order. That's right. why this business. So I um, recently hired my niece to be part of the business. I love and, it. you know, graduated from college. And so, you know, we're just keeping it going. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about this business because I, I know that uh, I was impressed with the type of things that you're doing. So um, what's the ideal target? Well, first of all, let's start with what are the products and services that you provide to people? So what I provide is a cost-effective solution that brings expertise, strategic thinking, and operational efficiency to an organization's financial management, primarily helping executives through sustainable growth and success. Okay. So that leads to my next question is what are ideal clients? What's the target audience for you to help? I'll say from a revenue standpoint, it'd be two to $10 million would be the ideal client that would be a good fit for me. Okay. And I'm just curious, a, a cur kind of a curiosity question. What, what, what kind of problems do you see with that group of, of businesses and what, and how can you help them? The biggest problem I see is financial management and strategic planning. 
So a lot of times people don't understand how to grow. Like they're already going through a growth spurt, but they don't know how to manage their cash through this growth spurt. Like for example, if all of a sudden I got a deal that had a million dollars in sales from one client, I need to scale up my operations to do that in a sustainable way where I don't go out of business. Right. A lot of businesses don't understand how to keep growing and sustain that growth when funds are tight. I kind of help you with that and help you prepare for scaling to not overscale when you're not ready for that yet. Yeah. Now, do you have an example of somebody that you've worked with that, that people can relate to as far as they were at this at level when I got a hold of them and then here's what we did to fit, sit up the infrastructure and here was the result of that? So about four, right, maybe six years ago, I had a client who had brought me in to be their uh, chief financial officer for you know three to four years. The goal was to sell it in three years, the company, but they were not at break even from a cash flow perspective. They're actually losing money. Wow. They had a. They figured out their. It took them a couple of years to figure out their business model, mm -hmm. but they mm -hmm. did. But they weren't making any money. Mm -hmm. So my job was to come in, get them to break even, and to scale it and sell it. And that's what I did. I, I had the the handoff between departments like sales to operations is critical. That really was not going well. So I restructured, meaning moved people around to the best position that fit their personality and their skill set, and then was able to scale the business. With the, you know the clients that they were bringing in, so we weren't having all these hiccups. Get them to manage the the money going out with the money coming in. So from a financial statement standpoint, they were negative. But from a cash flow oh, wow. perspective, I was able to get it break even, so that we never really had to borrow money. Okay, uh, you know it's all about timing. And then I was able to sell it for fifty million dollars. Wow! And, uh, wow! I bet they were happy with you, weren't they? <laughs> they were very happy with me. <laughs> Uh, well, I, I've got another question for you because this is on a lot of people's minds right now. And I know that you're young enough to remember some of the downturns in the economy. <laughs> okay. So obviously we're seeing kind of storm clouds right now, right? Would you agree with the economy, inflation, and some other things? So what kind of advice are you giving to your clients right now regarding their finances? So the, for clients that are not in trouble right now, they need to go and get credit. They need to get a line of credit. Okay. So when you have those hills and valleys, you're able to use that line of credit to get you through those those bad times. So those seasonality. Okay. That's the clients that are not doing well right now. They need to reach out to their vendors. They need to come out with payment plans. It's all about communication, communication, communication. Nothing scares anyone more than someone ghosts them. You don't hear from them because they're going through troubles. You need to be upfront and get ahead of it. That is wise advice. I know that, you know, in past businesses I've had, uh, that I get, I got that wise advice from several of the folks that were my trusted advisors. And, uh, I found that people are genuinely wanting to, uh, you know, negotiate or help or whatever, as long as you're upfront with them, you know, mm -hmm. to your point, too many people hide, you know, and they don't want people to know, and then they get themselves in deeper holes. Uh, the other thing I found, too, is with, again, great wisdom like you just gave is get that line of credit ahead of time before you need it, you know. Yes. And 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 because the banks are valuing that they're looking at your, you know, your your uh, uh, sheet receivables, accountables and everything else, you know. And um, so, you know, that's exactly uh, the kind of advice I got. And I know what how wonderful that was, because in one of my business, we had quite a downturn during uh, 08. 
And um, I had to take and, and thank God we had that. And the bank and <clears throat> bank was very good to us, you know, through that period of time. But uh, that's that's really sage advice. I like that a lot. I'm proud to welcome Inbound Studio as a sponsor of Faith Marketplace. Marshall Mullet, the owner, has a mission to help businesses be more efficient and effective in getting results from their marketing technology. With their vast experience, Inbound Studio builds websites using inbound marketing methodology that provides a beautiful visitor experience that has them coming back for more. As a result, the company has evolved to be a premier provider of web technology services in the Midwest. I encourage you to check them out at www.inboundstudio.com. What would you say, if I ask you, what makes your business unique versus all the other financial services businesses that are out there, and you know there's a whole bunch of them? I think what makes me unique is my honesty and faith, my being very upfront, but also I'm offering you a custom solution. I'm coming in understanding your business and how you do business. I'm not coming in with a rigid program that says you got to do it this way or the highway that you're not going to be successful unless you do it my way. No, I want to understand you as an individual, as an owner of your business. I want to understand the value that you bring to your customers. And then we together come up with a solution to help you. Cause it's not going to work if you don't only be me, you got to be you. Right. Um, what would you say, you know, uh, playing a CF role role or the kind of the role you do sometimes coming in <clears throat> and obviously, you know, it's truth telling you've got to, Sometimes you got to deliver bad news, right? So what advice would you give out there to maybe some listeners or some business owners right now about how they should handle the bad news? <laughs> handle the bad news of being received or giving the bad news? Well, you know that you as a CFO, their, their financial person is going to have to give them bad news. <laughs> I would say to handle it in a way that you just take strategic action. I mean, it's like, the whole position of a CFO or any executive is to advise the CEO or owner of a business. Mm-hmm. So it's a, I'm advising you so that you can take action to get out of the bad situation, even if it's bad news. Don't We don't want to be too overly Pollyanna is what I call it. I always seeing on the bright side of everything, just because someone's giving you bad news, they're giving this news so you can take action, right. not to be, to be negative. Yeah, I was just uh, I just uh, did a talk to a group of CFOs, mid-market CFOs, small groups because it's a an organization that a buddy of mine uh, I might have made, made mention to you. It's called CFO Mastermind. Because mm-hmm. CFOs or people in finance can be some of the loneliest people in the company sometimes. <clears throat> and what was really good about that was getting, you know, the the advice can go back and forth, but oftentimes as you know, delivering bad news to an owner or a president CEO it's not the most, you know, exciting. Thing. It can be pretty exciting, but they also can get very defensive. So how do you take and in, in that kind of an approach, if you've got, you know, an owner or somebody that's going to be real defensive, how do you approach that? My approach has always been not to just deliver bad news, but deliver solutions and recommendations. Okay. I think if you offer both, you're not just leaving that owner with just dumping them with some bad news. You're giving them some direction. So that is... I think the strategy piece comes in. I'm not just telling you, hey, sales are down 20%. I'm also doing analysis to say, hey, sales are down 20%, but here's an opportunity to get sales back up. Great. That's awesome. Yeah, because you're right. Uh, that's the old sandwich theory, right? Here's some good. Here's the bad news, and then here's some good news on top of that. Yeah, I love that. That's great. Um, what you know, From the standpoint of uh, the folks that you deal with right now, what kind of businesses are they? 
Can you give me a couple examples of businesses that you do work with? So right now they tend to be service businesses. So I've had quite a few clients in the software industry, um, advertising slash PR, uh, transportation businesses. So they tend to be more non-manufacturing type businesses. Okay. And what's the difference between those two from a financial standpoint? Is there any differences between those in a manufacturing or hard goods manufacturer? I would say the only difference really is in the manufacturing, you have that inventory, a lot of management around that piece, but everything else is basically the same. Okay. Well, let's get down to a little bit of uh, who Kimberly Loftus is. Did you come out a bouncing baby Christian girl? I did. You did? Okay. Why don't you share with the audience a little bit of your testimony growing up and where you grew up and all that? So I grew up in Evansville, Indiana. It's a border of Indiana, Kentucky. It's the largest city in those parts, but it's also the third largest city in Indiana. About 150,000 people when I was there. I think it's grown a little bit, maybe by another 20,000. So compared to Chicago, it's small, but in those parts, it's the big city. Right. And so being, you know, it's more Southern than I would say Midwest values. And, uh, you know, very, you know, church is, you know, as long as I can remember, you know, grew up in the church, um, instilled those values in me. Um, my parents, you know, were both, you know, blue worker, hard working people really wanted, you know, me and my siblings to go to college, which, you know, I did. And I eventually went away to college at Indiana university. Oh, great and school. There, yes. And then from there, I, you know, I've been in Chicago ever since I graduated. Okay. Working in various companies in accounting until I, you know, until I actually went out on my own. But that faith that was drilled in me from a kid, he's always stay with me. It's like that inner voice that I hear when I know of something I should not be doing. It's like <laughs> it's a combination of that, but also being scared of my parents. I never wanted to disappoint them. Yeah. So that combination kind of kept me in line. Oh, that's great. That is really sage advice. And obviously those roots stuck, right? <laughs> yes. I, uh, I do have to ask you, Kimberly, I don't think we did have this in a pre- previous conversation. Maybe you did tell me, but why did you leave corporate life and go into your own business? I um, was married and I had a, I was, I was pregnant and I was going to have my child. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. I, at the time was doing, um, you know, I was doing executive financial reporting. I used to do mergers and acquisitions. So I was working 70, 80 hour weeks. Ooh. And said, you know, and so I just with a family, that's just not conducive. Mm-hmm. And so I end up, you know, leaving that job. And then I, once I got home before I had the, I realized I didn't want to go back and I wanted to be home with my daughter. So what really drove me to start my business was to be home because my parents, the way I was raised, my parents got off of work at three o'clock okay. around the same time I got out of school. Right. So they were always there. And that was just really important to me Yeah. for me to be there. And I just realized in that role, I could not be there for my daughter. And I could say, you know, my daughter's now just turned 13. We are so close because I have been there for our first two and a half years of life. I know everyone is not in a position to have that. And you do the best that you can. I understand that. But I was in a position, I was able to be home for the first two and a half years. And that two and a half years, I also started my business. Uh I realized this is a life I want. I want the flexibility. I want to be home and, you know, to be there. And now, you know, I've been able to do that by starting my own business. That was a driver. 
Are you looking for ways to increase your business? Are you hungry for business relationships of like mind and spirit? Welcome to G7 Networking with Purpose, where relationship comes before referral. Experience networking with God at the center via monthly meetings that invite interaction and connection. Immerse yourself in the proprietary G7 app, sharing leads, prayer requests, and increased visibility with the entire G7 network. Now with over 40 chapters in 8 states and growing, we have multiple Chicagoland chapters including new locations forming here and around the U.S. Visit www.g7networking.com for details and search for a chapter near you. G7 Networking is always looking for well-connected leaders of integrity and purpose looking for what's next. If this sounds like you, please reach out to us via our website at www.g7networking.com. G7 Networking with Purpose, where God is at the center of networking. Uh, let's talk a little bit about your podcast, okay? So share with the folks, what's the name of the podcast? It's uh, so on Can TV Chicago, there is a TV show called In the Money that I do that talks about psychology around money and also gives you financial tips. Though it's very important to think about why we do the things we do with money. For example, my first episode was called The Poverty Mindset, mm. which to delve into why do we spend the money the way we do, which is I suffer from the poverty mindset. I grew up from very humble beginnings, basically very poor. Um, and then I am not, I'm far on the other end of that now, thank goodness. Okay. But it, it, you know, it drives how I, you know, I would hoard money. I would hold on to money. I wouldn't spend money. I wasn't enjoying the money because I was scared of being poor again. Okay. And so I had to get over that mindset. The opposite will be that overspender where they have something to prove because whatever happens to them in their childhood. Got it. And so it's really about going through the psychology of why I can give you all the budget tips in the world, but if I don't, if you don't understand the why you're never going to get better. Yeah. That's, so that's that is really, really important. And especially starting from that point, you know, what mm -hmm. is it? I mean, it's like, it's like a, addiction or diets or anything else, mm -hmm. right? Um, yes. you, you really have to go at this and understand what the root cause of it is. Right. And yes. would you say that's pervasive in the minority community? Well, it's pervasive in a lot of communities, but is it more so in the minority communities? I would not know if it's more so, but I can say it's definitely pervasive. I mean, there's a couple of things happening overall in the United States. We don't do, as you mentioned, financial education. Right. And then also you have that with families who don't have money, who are normally minorities, U.S. based, did not come from money, just given the originations of black right. people to America. And so you don't have anyone passing down money tips because there was no money to be had to say, hey, right. save this, that. And so I think it is pervasive for that very reason. Okay. And the show is to communicate these tips that you should have learned as a child. Yeah. Now, help me understand something. Were you getting tips like that as a child or wasn't it until later in your adult life and got into corporations? I did got no tips as a child because my parents didn't know either. Okay. And so it's so funny. It's like until I became a CPA, they didn't trust me. And then, you know, I couldn't do their tax. I couldn't do anything. And then once I came, oh, you can do them now because now you're a CPA. But I always, I was born wanting to know about money. I would go to the library. I would research it. It was always an interest to me, but it wasn't because of my family. Okay. That's great. I love it. Yeah. And, and is that changing things for your family within the family dynamic and, you know, uh, with your parents and any, any siblings or anything or relatives? Definitely. Like my, unfortunately my brother has passed, but my sister and I, you know, are doing really well. 
And it's, it's transformational. Like in the black community, if one makes it, then your whole family makes it. But that also is stressful because you have that increased responsibility to take care of the family unit because you are the one that made it. So that is, a, you know, extra dynamic. Yeah. But you're also responsible to help pull them up and educate them, right? So that Correct. that so that it isn't passed along to you know it's a generational thing and so it isn't passed right. along, and uh, and that's how we're going to overcome a lot of that stuff. And and God bless you. I, I just thank you so much that for the work you do and the companies that you work with and helping people to really manage their finances and particularly in business. I know that I know a bunch of financial people that work with small, medium sized businesses and some of the stories they tell me, I'm like, really? <laughs> and you're absolutely right, because, again, there's not that education out there uh, oftentimes for people They just jump in business. They've got a good idea or they start out something or uh, like you said, in the software area, they're real good at software. But past that, you know, because <laughs> I deal with some of those companies, you know, for our sales program. And, uh, and that's been a huge help for them because they don't consider themselves salespeople. They don't know that much about it. Uh, oftentimes they hire salespeople. They make bad hires, you know, mm. because they don't, they don't know what they don't know, you know, and, and that's why I'm hearing from you. Um, let's talk about how you're incorporating your faith in work. So do people know you're a person of faith when you work with them? They do. I think initially they don't because, you know, you have to be careful how you share that information. Okay. But I think over time they realize that I'm, you know, that I'm faith based based off of how I act. And if I'm comfortable with you enough, if you shared your faith and I'm going to share, you know, more point blank of my faith. But I think basically how I care myself, they know that. Yeah. You know, you're absolutely right. But I think we, there's a lot of fear factor around this. Uh, I tell people it takes courage and to be bold that you are a person of faith. It doesn't have to be that you're spouting scripture at them or you're carrying a Bible around, but it shows up in little ways. By way of example, we've had a number of guests that I ask, you know, do you pray for your clients? And they'd say, yeah, I'll pray for my clients and I'll pray right with them if there's an issue. You know, they got a family issue or something like that. So there's all these kind of little nuancy ways, you know, that you can kind of sprinkle, you know, some seeds out there that uh, is encouraging to people and, in, in, you know, and doing that. Um, do you have any stories about that? How you how you've uh, done something as far as uh, with a client, you've gotten credibility, you've gotten trust and you've been able to share with them a little bit of their, their faith or. Yes, I think it's once they we have a trusted relationship where we're sharing personal information, I definitely always give thanks to God for where I am today. So I think they see that. But also just how I carry myself is always in a way of um, honesty and trust and, and openness for them to be able to make mistakes and and be open with me. Yeah. Um, I know that you, I know this is going to be kind of a, uh, an interesting question for you because you, you know, it's obvious with you, but what do you give uh, praise to God for about your business? Oh my goodness. Why well, I don't give him praise for <laughs> There you Everything. go. <laughs> I mean, I, like I mentioned earlier, I started cause I wanted to be, you know, home with my daughter and I didn't have, I don't consider myself having a, a good network at the time. Cause I was like, you know, I went to work, I kept my head down and did my job. I didn't really network, so to speak. And so, you know, one day I remember I just told, I was like, what, eight months pregnant. I started networking eight months pregnant. <laughs> And then somebody was like, I went out and met him for lunch. He's like, oh, my God, you need to be home. You're going to drop this baby any minute now. But he actually ended up introducing me to someone 
who he actually didn't introduce me. They just called me out of the blue. He gave them my name, called me out of the blue. Next thing you know, I had a client. Wow. For doing CFO services for three days a week, just like that. And that's really how my business was built. Just me telling a couple of people, those couple of people told a couple of people, and then they, they, you know, felt my, who I am as a person, they felt good enough to give me that referral. And that's how my business was, was built. So that the ability to be able to, um, have this business, have the clients that I like working with and to be honest and trustworthy and to be confident enough to tell people up front, this is who I am. I'm going to be honest. I'm never going to lie to you. If you can't take that, then I'm not the, I'm not the, um, the vendor for you. Yeah. And to be able to live that life, to have these clients, to have the work that I enjoy and love is all based off of God just sending these clients my way. I have not really did a lot of stuff to get these clients. It's just based off of me living in my faith. Yeah. And the other thing about that, when you get a warm introduction like that from somebody, somebody trusts, you're getting over a big credibility factor right there because there, there's a transference of credibility already. Now, you got to earn their trust. That's sure. Yes. But the fact of the matter, that could be a pretty big hurdle to have to get over with if it's somebody, a stranger, or somebody you don't know, because right. you've got your, you got your hands on the thing that's most sacrosanct to most business people in North America, and that's their money, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and I'll even say this, it's like when I was the interim CFO of the company that I ended up selling for 50 million, the first week, on, like, I'll tell you how I ended up getting that. It was literally, I was walking away from a company that I felt like was not a good fit faith-wise. And then literally, I got a call from these people, like, a week later, and then within four weeks, I'm sitting in this role. And in that role, in that first week on the job, I got an email from the CEO asking to wire funds. And so I went to the person who wires funds, say, hey, you know, CEO asked to wire these funds. She wired the funds. The next second, another email asking for another warrant. I'm like, oh, this is weird. So I go back to that person. I said, it's weird. We got another request. She's like, oh, he's never asked for a request. And so I was like, wait a minute. He's never asked for a wire before. And so then I immediately, you know, went to the bank and asked for them to claw the money back. But then I also went to the owner and said, hey, I, uh, I made a mistake. I have, you know, $30,000 that got wired on a scam. And I am so sorry. And the words out of his mouth to his credit was like, it was really hard for you to pick up that phone and tell me this. And I was like, I will pay you back. I had saved some money so I was going to get a new car. I was like, I'm going to pay you back. He's like, don't worry about it. And luckily, we were able to get that money back. But that man trusted me so much from that point on because I made a mistake. I was honest about it. I didn't try to cover it up. I didn't lie. But that is my faith. I just, I just couldn't do it any other way. You got it. That's wonderful. Okay, so everything you went through and told us about your background, what words of wisdom would you have given to your younger self? I would say relax. Everything's <laughs> going to be okay. A lot of times we think it's the end of the world when everything, something happens will be one of the things I would give to my younger self. Um, another thing I would give to my, um, you know, rely on your foundation and faith and build that village. That village of people who are like-minded, who have the same values, those people are going to be with you for everything, and they will help you get through those tough times. Yeah. Well, before we have to end this thing, I want to make sure we give everybody, how can they get a hold of you, Kimberly? What's the best way to get a hold of you? Email will be the best. Okay. So it's Kimberly at LoftusConsulting.com. That's K-I-M-B-E-R-L-Y at L-O-F-T-I-S Consulting.com. That's great. And you have a website too, right? 
Yes, it's loftusconsulting.com. Great. That is awesome. Now, I got to ask you this because I'm just jonesing to know. What makes you really interesting, cool, and funny? Uh, I think at the end of the day, I'm a, I'm a big nerd. <laughs> <laughs> so I have corny jokes and I just, you know, I love life. So, if, you know, I think what makes me interesting and fun is like I enjoy life. I'm happy every day that I'm able to wake up and live this life that God has provided me. Yeah. That is great. And I got to believe that your uh, young daughter is enjoying <laughs> enjoying mom yes. being around joking with her. <laughs> yes, she is. <laughs> so just real quickly, Danda, you got a corny joke you can uh, share? I do not have a corny joke off the top of my mind. Okay. I, that, yeah. I, needed, I needed a corny joke for the day. That's what I was asking. <laughs> Well, Kimberly, thank you so much again for uh, being on the show. I want to tell our folks. And uh, you can reach Kimberly at uh, Loftus, L-O-F-T-I-S, consulting.com, or email her at Kimberly at LoftusConsulting.com. And what an inspiration you are, Kimberly. Thank you so much for being on. Well, folks, uh, stay tuned and come back again for another episode. We've got uh, lots of guests lined up that I know you're going to be excited about hearing from. Uh, and, and it's out there on faithmarketplace.com. All of our podcasts are up on Google, um, Apple, and now Spotify. And stay tuned. We're hopefully going to be getting a, uh, a, a, a YouTube channel. We got it, but we, we're going to have some stuff up on YouTube too. But we need followers. So get out there and follow us and tell everybody and all that good stuff. So again, we'll be back here again next week. Thank you. <laughs>